a reading of Psalm 30, which you can find in your Pew Bible in the Old Testament at page 505. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication, What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Our New Testament reading today is from Galatians 6, verses 1 through 5. The letter to the Galatians was written to a church experiencing crises. Paul, in this letter, which is actually structured more like a sermon, is attempting to call the church he helped establish back from the abyss of divisions created by unchristian practices. As the young church struggles to define what it means really to be a community of faith, Paul encourages self-giving in faithful service, gratitude and humility rather than arrogance and an emphasis on differences. Today's verses are part of the dramatic conclusion of Paul's address to the church in Galatia. With these final words, Paul epitomizes the Christian life as bearing one another's burdens. Now here, Galatians 6. One through five. My friends, 
if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those of you are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. All must test their own work, then that work, rather than their neighbor's work, will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. The word of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, my personal email account was hacked. A strange message, seemingly from me, was sent to virtually everyone to whom I had sent emails for the last six years. Now, included among the recipients of this email were national media contacts from my previous career, my seminary professors, the president of my seminary, the churches where I provided pulpit supply before I was called here, and former friends with whom I had lost contact. My friends who opened the bogus email and then clicked on the embedded link, something, as you know, one should never, ever do, found that it advertised a raspberry dietary supplement that would, of course, guarantee instantaneous weight loss. Now, many people contacted me about this trying to be helpful, informing me that my email had been hacked and offered advice on what I could do about it. Some long-lost acquaintances used the incident to find out how I was doing and where I was living. Some were puzzled and wondered why on earth I would be sending them an email about a weight loss supplement. As I ran the necessary virus scans and embarked on the long overdue task of reviewing and weeding out my contact list, I began to think about how we are all so very connected to each other. This, even though we live in a society that values independence and individual autonomy. The truth is that everyone we have known makes a small or large impression on us, and we, in turn, leave an imprint on them. Even though we may be enamored by the concept of rugged individualism, we are by nature communal beings. And as communal beings, our actions have ripple effects. For better or worse, 
our words and our deeds can be as potent and widespread as a computer virus. Paul recognized our interdependence and the potency of human interaction in his letter to the new church in Galatia. He preaches that in the Christian community, rather than engage in power struggles with each other to achieve superiority and autonomy, we should embrace our common life and ensure that it is always a vital source of mutual support and love. You see, Paul sees the church as an extended family. As such, the community of faith, unlike secular society, is not a place for personal striving or boasting but rather a place marked by mutual responsibility and accountability. This because the Holy Spirit leads us to be imitators of Christ, loving our neighbors as we love ourselves and respecting the dignity of every human being. Yet, just as in the first century, Paul's vision of a community of Christians clashes with the secular values of our individualistic Western culture. In a May 20th New York Times article, columnist David Brooks illustrates this point by observing, of all things, how our usage of words has changed. He cites a study that found that during the past 50 years, individualistic words such as self, personalized, unique, and stand out were used more frequently, while communal words such as community, collective, share, united, receded in use. Interestingly, during the same time frame, another study showed a decline in the use of moral terms, such as virtue, decency, conscience, honesty, patience, and compassion. Brooks, admitting his own subjectivity, concluded from this data that as society has become more individualistic, it also has become more morally unaware because our social fabric and moral fabric are so intrinsically connected. Paul also links community with morality. In the letter to the congregation in Galatia, as it struggles with how to live together as brothers and sisters in Christ, Paul talks 
of Christian freedom, which does not mean we are free to pursue earthly passions, free to do anything we please, but that we are free from the artificial constraints of a sin-struck world. Through Christ, we are no longer enslaved or separated from one another. The barriers are torn down. There is neither Jew nor Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, black or white, gay or straight, old or young. All God's children, regardless of their station in life, are free to love and serve one another. And Christ makes the impossible possible. In communities of faith, it is possible for unity to exist in spite of tremendous diversity. Through Christ, all are invited to the table that we will share later. And above all, we are urged to bear one another's burdens, to share each other's stresses and sorrows, to share our spiritual and monetary gifts, and to strive for peace and justice among all peoples. Our National Capital Presbytery, the local regional office of our denomination, which includes 110 congregations, two new church developments, and five fellowships, seeks to live out Paul's vision of a community of faith through its robust mission programs. Believing that we can do more together to serve God and demonstrate the love revealed through Jesus Christ than any of us can do separately, our presbytery is engaged in a variety of programs that support, among other things, global missions. A few years ago, as part of this initiative, the Presbytery helped support our water project in Chicago. The Presbytery also has launched new faith communities, provided scholarships to help train church leaders, and actively supports programs that further social justice. The National Capital Presbytery also provides a special ministry that reflects the demographics of our unique location. As you may know, 20% of the population in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area was born outside the United States. In this country, whose 237th birthday we celebrated this week, this United States of America, people still come seeking freedom and economic opportunity. 
and the presbytery welcomes them by providing an opportunity for immigrants to worship God in their own language and according to their own customs while still being part of the PCUSA. Last year, this church's mission committee joined with others in supporting the Presbytery's immigrant churches. This afternoon, an Arab-speaking congregation will worship here, and we hosted a women's multicultural gathering in Chadsey Hall a couple months ago. Our Presbytery's mission programs provide just a few examples of how in our extended church family, Christ makes, us, makes it possible for us to bear each other's burdens. Our Presbytery's mission programs also illustrate how unity and love can exist even in the midst of diversity. The bottom line is that we are a communal people, even though we are different from each other. We come from different backgrounds. We possess different gifts. We embrace different hopes and dreams and struggle with different demons. Yet, like the early church in Galatia, we are called to bear each other's burdens. For we cannot be Christian alone, encased in a self-protective bubble of justice and self-righteousness. Rather, as a community of faith, we are called to freely support and love one another with the same type of self-sacrificial love that Christ has shown us.